So welcome to another episode of the Impact Sessions with me, Nick Bramley. This week, I've got a title called Recruitment is Easy. There are loads of candidates out there. And my guest this week to discuss this is Charlie Melia. She's the Managing Director of Integrated Recruitment. I've known Charlie for a little while, and she's a, a lady who looks at recruitment from a very different perspective. I'm going to explore that over the next 35, 40 minutes. So welcome to the Impact Sessions, Charlie. Thank you very much for having me, Nick. Looking forward to getting into the uh, the ribs of a potentially controversial subject, which a lot of people have views and opinions on, don't they, in terms of recruitment? Oh, yes, definitely. It's always a hot topic. Okay, well, I've got a few questions lined up. Let's have a conversation around those. Um, I'm going to start with one, maybe a little bit controversial. Recruitment's one of those sectors that seems to divide opinions across the business community. So some people see it as essential and it supports their business and their growth plans and whatever, whilst others have a real genuine aversion to anything attached to the phrase recruitment or agency. So why do you think that the sector's got such a, a patchy reputation and you know, what's the background to that? I mean, generally, it's just full of wide boys, isn't it? It's full of these absolute pain in the bum people that just ring you constantly. I mean, they they border on stalking you um, to um, to shove a CV in front of you. So I think recruitment's got a really bad reputation because of the way that the industry has developed over the years. Um, and... So you, you kind of say, oh, I, I work in recruitment. And, oh, God, you're one of those, are you? You're one of those salespeople. Um, and, and it's because they are a machine. And the big boys, the big players out there, um, we won't mention names, but the, the big agencies that come to mind, they absolutely train you. And I've worked in one many, many years ago. They train you to be bulletproof from these, um, these companies and and you you try every single trick in the book and i've done it to um to get through the gatekeeper and speak to the person that you need to speak to so i think by doing that you really lose the respect actually of the client um but there are some fantastic companies out there who specialize in recruitment and that is recruitment agencies but that's also other companies um, and i'm going to say that obviously like mine um who do things a little bit differently um but yeah, I think, I think because there's a lot of very inexperienced people, a lot of people who are afraid of their own targets, so they, they have to be a pain, um, and just a, a general lack of care has given the recruitment industry a really, really bad name. I think there's a lot of churn, isn't there, in some of the bigger places in terms of a, an acceptable level of people who they say will give it a go, but then... You know, if they don't stay, they don't stay. There's another one coming out of university or off the production line. So oh, I, do, I do get that element of, you know, it's just a numbers and a churning activity. So um, I'm not going to defend recruitment. I'm not going to uh, support it. Uh, it's not for me to do that. But how long have you been in the sector then, Charlie? And, and, and when do you set integrated recruitment up? So I, um, I walked out of school and walked into recruitment. Um, so that is nearing on 18 years. So I'll let you work that out. Um, <laughs> but we never ask a lady her age. Um, and I, I walked into one of those agencies. And, um, and yeah, the, the churn is disgusting. We, we had a door um, 
a, a door that meant on a Friday, if, if you were sacked in a meeting, you were walked out of that door and you were never to be seen again and somebody kind of scurried in and collected your items. So it's, it's a tough old world. Um, I moved into what we call in-house recruitment, so working within a business to run their recruitment team after about a year of working in agency. So I, I really hated the agency world. Um, I'm absolutely useless at sales. Um, you know this, Nick. <laughs> um, we have many, many conversation about it. It's not my, my forte. Um, but for, for kind of the last sort of 16 years, um, there or thereabouts, I've worked within companies to set up their recruitment functions. Um, and that's been from literally starting from scratch um, to, to put everything in place for them. Um, then with the introduction of social media and that all kind of came properly forward and um, bringing that side of things into it. Um, and then through to um, two of the apprenticeship schemes, the graduate schemes, um, everything else that, that you might want to look at. Um, and then sort of in, in the last couple of years, going in and fixing recruitment teams. So where there's been something in place, but um, it, it's not quite worked for whatever reason. So looking at what are the measures of success? What's the impact that this particular business needs? Because every business needs something different. Um, and what can we do to make that happen? Um, very, that very much sounds like a platform for then taking that internal recruitment experience into the establishment of integrated recruitment. Is that exactly what was the catalyst for that then, uh, Charlie? What was the thing that said, I'm going to do this for myself? And when so was I, Yeah, so I, I've had this burning desire um, to work for myself um, for, for, for a long, long time. I come from a, a, a stream of family members who are all business owners, so I've kind of got it ingrained in me. Um, that that's what you do and uh, actually on honeymoon which must be I don't know eight years ago um, I, I sat my poor husband you know I, I sat and planned my business out then and it's taken all of that time to really pluck up the courage to go right sod it I'm doing it let's let's do it I probably picked the worst time in life um, personally to do it two kids a husband um, you know hell of a lot of bills um, and I also started the business in February this year, um, which was pretty much five weeks before the pandemic hit, which okay. um, <laughs> was incredibly um, unfortunate timing. So I was, I was made redundant last year from, from my last role. And it was, it was a redundancy that, that I instigated. I said, I've, I've done what you need me to do. You should have brought me on on a contract. Um, and you know, I can see that you're getting rid of a load of people. So let's just have a, an adult conversation. Mm. Um, and that's what we did and uh and and i launched the business officially at the beginning of february um and do you know what we've, we've done okay um the, the business has been pretty resilient um we've had some incredible people around us to to support the business and, and get where we needed to be okay. um but i could really see that all of the experience that i i'd had um through the different companies I've worked for, I've typically moved every couple of years. So I've worked for lots of different companies and that's because I've gone in and done what I needed to do and then could come away. Um, but I could see that there was an opportunity for the smaller businesses who wouldn't have the access to having an in-house strategic person. So we're probably going to rely on these recruitment agencies who have a place in the market without a doubt, but probably don't offer the level of strategic support, 
support that these businesses need. And I felt that I could offer something a little bit differently um, to the market. Um, there's quite a few virtual recruitment companies um, out there, but actually a lot of those have come from an agency background. So they've not done the strategic work. So in my opinion, there was a real gap in the market. And I think that's why this year, you know, it's, it's going okay. So what, what's the difference then? Because you would look at it from the outside and say, surely there wasn't space for another recruitment agency in a crowded market. Yeah. Uh, loads of online models, as you say, emerging on an almost daily basis. Yeah. Um, and the title is podcast, Recruitment's Easy Because There's Loads of Candidates Out There. Timing was interesting, to say the least, but um, it's gone okay, but you're doing things differently. Do you want to try and capture for us a little bit about, you know, why that's different? Because I don't think you'd have survived doing a traditional recruitment route, would you, if you'd have been... No. in 2020 in the eyes of a, uh, an international pandemic I don't think yeah yeah I mean I think the the easy route would have gone would have been to say okay I'm a recruitment agency because everybody gets that um okay you're a recruitment agency Charlie here's a job go fill it run off you go um and I was hell-bent that I wasn't going to go down that route it probably um commercially would have I've probably done a bit better because they charge stupid fees um for doing very little um but the reason why it's different is I'm so incredibly passionate about planning for the future and making sure that whatever decision and investment a business makes, it's because of the future and it's, it's because they want to achieve something. And every business or most businesses have a plan. I think everybody's plan's gone a little bit crazy this year, but we've all got kind of a flag in the sand to go, this is where we want to get to, whether that's in three months' time. But I don't think anybody's talking about three years at the moment, but in a few months' time, this is where we want to get to. The only way people are going to get there is by having the right people in business to get them there. And so the way that I do things a little bit differently is, is we take a step back. So I really try to encourage that business to not do knee-jerk recruitment as I call it not do this panic of oh my god Bob's walked out Bob, Bob's a warehouse operative I need another warehouse operative go find one you know it's actually taking a step back and going okay what's what has just walked out the door what else did Bob do what were those other skills do we still need those skills especially at the minute how the how everybody's having to pivot because of the because of what's going on in the world do you, do you need that anymore um or do you think you need it because that's what you've always used what what else who else do you have in the business could somebody else do it so we look at you know some businesses who are, are furloughing one side of the team and um, somebody that that we both know nick you know they've got one area of the business that they're, they're putting through furlough but another area of the business that's absolutely booming right now well, actually, the obvious thing is, let's move those furloughed employees into this other side of the business because the skills that they have are exactly what that side of the business needs. And the knowledge of a different part of the business can be really valuable in a different role. And it might be temporary, mightn't it? It might just Absolutely. get the business. So that you used the word strategic earlier, and that sounds like that's a strategy rather than a recruitment. I see recruitment often as... CV farms, really. You know, a lot of people see them as that. I've worked with lots of recruitment consultants. Some are brilliant, actually. Some are very professional. Some do what they do very, very well. But there's still a perception it's a CV farming exercise. Um, you're talking about 
been uh, a trusted advisor almost, aren't you, into the business around the sort of whole people issue? Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of different ways that I work. Um, so I, I work in a one or team for the future, which is kind of that one-off piece of recruitment. So I've had a few clients recently who are very, very small businesses taking on their first employee, and they still need a level of strategic view. They're thinking about, I know I need somebody, but I don't actually know what I need. So we work through that process. We create the job description. We create the adverts. And as we were talking about earlier, in theory, recruitment's really easy right now because there's so many people on the market. So, you know, surely just shove an advert out there on Indeed for free and you'll get 300 applications. Well, yeah, you probably will. And they're probably all pretty crap because everybody's applying for jobs and they don't know what they're applying for because everybody's panicking. So... um, Hang Hang on a second then. So the candidates themselves who are applying or putting themselves out there on Indeed, they're being touted for or applying for jobs that they don't know that they want because they've got nothing at the moment, so a job's better than no job. That doesn't fit, that doesn't fit with your one for the future thing, though, does it? Absolutely not. So what I need to do is work with these businesses to go, of course you could do that, but how do we test that this is the person that truly wants to work for your business? How do we test? that this is the person that you really want for the business. And it's not just a fit for now, a fit for today. It's, it's not just this panic recruitment. So, um, so my role in that is, is kind of trying to put the reins on a little bit and going, okay, let's, let's just do this differently. Let's understand what it is that you need. Let's understand what our story is to the candidates because there's a way of writing your adverts to make people exclude themselves from applying. So that's one way of getting the, the numbers down. Um, regardless you're just going to get a heap of applications at the moment it's the way of the world so the value add is actually having someone there who truly understands your business truly understands what it is that you're looking for and can do all of the screening whether that's paper or and normally the whole telephone interviewing side of things so that you get a true shortlist so the last couple of roles that I've filled in this particular manner they've had anywhere between 80 and 250 applications for one job but there's only actually been two to four that have met their criteria which has meant that that manager has only had to meet two people out of all of those and then been able to fill it because so without, your, without your support or without your input they'd have had to do the whole screening process on oh, the yeah. numbers what would that screening process be? Would it be accurate? Would it be based on, I've had enough now, it's Thursday afternoon, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Is it, is it get to that sometimes with people where they just, you know, I've stopped looking or I've stopped seeing because I've just been overwhelmed with numbers? Yeah, and quite often what will happen is they'll see one CV and they'll go, that'll do, I'll have them. Wow. And, and they've not looked at everybody else. And, and trust me, it is mind-numbing. It's horrendous reviewing CVs, especially when you've got a lot to go through. And But when you find that one nugget and you're like, oh, my God, oh, I've actually found somebody. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, and they could have been the person that applied yesterday. But between yesterday and today, you've had 50 applications. How do you get there? The other thing that they have to consider is their brand. So you've put your brand on the adverts. And in a job seeker's mind, they expect a response immediately because you should be there waiting for their application to come through. So 
every minute, every second counts to a candidate from when they've applied to when they hear from you. So if they then don't hear from you for a few days, they've probably forgotten who you are or they've got a really bad view of you as a company because you just couldn't be bothered to reply. Um, So there's that side as well. The process in place to reply, that might be the... Yeah. Then you've got the whole GDPR can of worms, which we won't go into today, but that's just a whole heap of, of nonsense. So yeah. the, there's that way, which is, is quite different. The the other way, um, uh, so so we have the, the one for the future, the team for the future, if there's a couple of hires. Um, we then have the building blocks to recruit, which is a uh, an off-the-shelf um, package. It's completely tailored insofar as how we do it to the company, but the principles are the same. So this is about enabling this company to recruit for themselves. So I did this um, at the beginning of the year for a pharmacy business up in Scotland. They were more than happy to do their own recruitment on a day-to-day basis. They just didn't know how to do it in the right way. Mm. So that was a partnership to say, okay, let's put some process, let's put some systems, let's do some training. Let's give you all of the tools you need to allow you to do it. And then off you go. And, and you do it. So that was a really nice piece of work and it made made them feel really comfortable. We're still in touch. Um, yeah. But they don't need me to do the day-to-day recruitment because a lot of that is shop staff, um, which, to be honest, they could pop an A-board outside the shop and hire somebody. Yeah. Um, the, the final one is, is the managed service. So this is all about being your integrated recruitment partner, hence the name of the business. So yeah. this is providing you with a recruitment team somebody who is part of your leadership team working with you strategically to get you the right people at the right time into the right roles. That's interesting about working at the leadership team level because recruitment's a profession. It's a, a, um, you know, there are qualifications involved potentially. I know people can start without anything, but there's there's a route to professionalism in, in the sector. And yet it doesn't seem to have the same elevated level of, of perception as maybe your accountant, your financial advisor, your, your, um, your solicitor, etc. And yet, if you're going to recruit someone, you're going to spend a lot more a year on that recruit than you're ever going to spend on your professional services fees. Yeah. So why do people not view recruitment as a profession? Why do they not value that so much as they should do, do you think? I think I think it's a mix. Um, if I'm honest, you're absolutely right. Recruitment is the population really in the professional services industry. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the most important pieces because if you've not got the right people, your business isn't going to do well. Um, probably a mixture. I think because of the recruitment agencies and they don't add the value. They they will bring they will be professional, but they don't add the value in that strategic arm. So they're, mm. they're seen as a service provider a supplier of CVs. Um, internally, you, you tend to get a bit more kudos than, than what you do as, as, a, um, as an agency. Um, but even so, yeah, you're, you're still not seen as being that, um, that level of, of importance, shall we say. I think, do you know what, and this is a bit cheeky, but I think it's because recruitment people have a bit of a, a, gift, a gift of the gab. Um, you know, yeah, we're probably not the most highly educated people and we're not going to come out with all of these wonderful sentences and fancy words and everything else you know I, I say it as it is anybody who knows me know, knows that I do that mm. um, and but what we do know is how to recruit people we yeah. do know how to identify the right people we do know how to challenge we are willing to challenge and push back um, and and really everything that we do makes a direct impact to the business 
financially. Um, and that's either through saving money or by having the right people to enable the business to make more money. But it also, it's also about, you know, the reputation. It's also about team dynamics. If you get the wrong person in a team, you can destroy a lot of good work and all that kind of thing. I'm going to throw some phrases at you. I won't do the Yorkshire accent. I can probably do it without trouble. <laughs> um, I've got a great gut instinct for people. I can tell in the first 15 seconds if someone's right for us. I know my business and what we need better than anybody else outside of the business. I've been recruiting for years. Why would I need any help? And using a recruitment service is expensive. Now, I've got clients in all sorts of sectors. Um, some use agencies, some don't. Some use those phrases. Talk to me about gut instinct. Talk to me about I know I know best. And talk to me about I don't need anybody from outside my business telling me what to do. Because that can't be right, I guess. What's your response to those kind of um phrases that you you must hear because i've heard them as a as a, yeah. as a you know, i'm not in recruitment i've heard those being said at a boardroom table etc what's your view on that then charla so so gut instinct is a really interesting one and it's something that we talk about actually when when we do development around recruitment and selection um with managers because oh. we all have gut instincts of course we do and and uh, you know and, and it's there from donkey's years ago as, as to why we've got gut instincts but what happens with your gut is it's, it's the halo horn effect. So if you've decided before you've even met somebody that you're going to like them, you do everything you can to prove to yourself that you were right. Of course, I'm going to like you. I'm going to give you the answers. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm also going to answer it for you. And this person never speaks because your gut's told you that you like them and they're going to be good. Mm. Um, equally, you might just see somebody, you might see how they amble in. And you think, oh no, no, they've not got, they've not got what it takes. So I'm going to do everything I can to prove to myself that they've not got what it takes. And and it's a really common thing that happens. And and I, I kind of urge everybody to test themselves with it because, um, you know, it's a bit like you you look at a plate of food and you think, oh, I don't like the look of that, so I won't I won't like it. And yeah. and you have to really convince yourself that actually it tastes beautiful. It just looks horrendous. Yeah. Um. Gut instinct has its place. And I will always say I have a very good recruiter gut. And, um, and I think that's actually just donkey's years of, of being around and knowing the warning signs rather than really gut. It's just knowing the flags um, as they come up. Um, what I will always challenge people on with gut is there's a reason why we're talking and there's a reason why you want to try and do something differently. And if you've always relied on your gut, then maybe we need to test that gut because the gut's well, not quite worked. The thing is, though, Charlie, if you're relying on your gut, you must, if you trust it, you must have no issues with people in your business because your gut has been right all the time. Everybody and I must be perfect. have got a good gut instinct. I've still got some challenges in the business. So is that gut actually working potentially? And actually, if you've got a number of different people making decisions throughout the hiring process, is everybody's got a line? Have you all got the same tick boxes for that? Um, and yeah, it's, it's frustrating actually because when there isn't a concrete reason as to why somebody is not, not right for the business other than gut, that's hard to mm. swallow, especially when your gut's saying they are and your gut's screaming that somebody else isn't, that they've taken that person on and you're thinking, yeah. well, I, I... But yeah, that 
you know, there's a time and a place, but I think if you are thinking of changing or challenging your ways of recruiting, you should equal a challenge your gut instinct and, and partner and trust with other people. It's intriguing that we validate or otherwise our own decision-making subconsciously, isn't it? You know, that yeah. um, I like this guy or this lady, so I'm going to give them an easy ride in the interview, in the application process. I'm probably going to, never thought of that before, I'm going to help them to answer the questions yeah. easier. Uh, and, and actually, I didn't take a shine to that particular person who's maybe sat in a, a strange way in reception, maybe not making eye contact, things I'm a bit concerned about. So I'm going to give them a rough ride. That's They've got a sweaty palm. That's always one. People don't like that. You know, yeah. they're, well, they're going to have a sweaty palm. They're probably absolutely terrified and sat in a suit, you know, yeah. in the middle of summer, they're going to be a little bit damp. Um, but yeah, they, they, I've, I've had people get rejected because of a, a sweaty palm before it. I would, yeah. I, would, I would say, Charlie, it's okay to act, to reject somebody for a limp handshake, though, surely. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be a red flag to anyone, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, to do a little wet, a wet limp, uh, limp shake is never good. Yeah, practice your handshakes, listeners and viewers, because that's a good <laughs> impression or otherwise. Okay. Um, you mentioned about strategy earlier. You mentioned about setting integrated up to be something slightly different or, or very different to a lot of places in the fact that you're effectively an internal recruiter, aren't you, with yeah. an external perspective. So is there more to it? Is recruitment just the start of your relationship with your clients then, Charlie? Where does that, you know, where does that fit in in terms of the people strategy, et cetera? Yeah, so I work, I work hand in hand with HR, whether that's an outsourced um, HR partner, of which I, I have one that I, I personally prefer to work with, but obviously respect um, other relationships, or whether that's the internal HR department. Internal HR departments tend to hate doing recruitment, so that does work quite nicely together. And yeah, I'm really passionate about, um, you know, it's, it's not just about filling a job, it's not just about putting a bottom on a seat it's everything it's it's what's your employer brand what when we start looking to the future and it is hard to look to the future but when you actually look at who have you got in the business right now where are they going so so you start there who's what what is your matrix of people internally because you will have some people who are plodders and that's great because we all need a plodder who are never going to do anything particularly wonderful, but they're going to keep the business going. Safe pair of hands, always turn up on a Monday morning. Never going to set the world on fire, but they're going to get the job done. They're probably not going to give you any grief either, to be fair. No, they're just going to come in, do what they need to do, go again. That's fine. You're then going to have your ambitious, your, your rising stars, whatever you want to call them, the people who are going to keep moving up. Then you've got the people who need to leave as well, for whatever reason, they have to leave the business. So you've got kind of these, these different boxes that you look at and you go, okay, I'm going to use Bob again. I quite like Bob today. So we're going to use Bob as an example. Bob is, um, is going to retire in five years. So what does that mean from a talent strategy perspective? Well, that means that we have Bob's in their purchasing managing role and we have an assistant purchasing manager. Okay, well, in five years, we can get that assistant purchasing manager to be ready to take Bob's job on. So that's that. So what or, you might or a bit earlier if circumstances dictate because exactly. Bob retires to real health or whatever. Exactly. So there's a plan in place. It's what you call a succession plan. So we have a succession plan in place for Bob because we know at some point in the near future Bob's off. So 
what people tend to do is they go, Bob's going, oh, we need a purchasing manager. Well, no, actually, because you've got um, Bert, who's the assistant purchasing manager. And actually, with a bit of development, Bert can be Bob. So what you really need is an assistant. That's the bit that you need to recruit. Now, wouldn't it be great with five years notice to think, well, actually, I'm paying into an apprenticeship level. And that's already going in because I've, I've got a certain level of payroll bill and I'm paying into it automatically. So actually, I don't take an apprentice on and I'll use my levy and I'll save some money and I'll give somebody a fantastic opportunity. And they can, within five years, become the assistant purchasing manager. So they, we look they at... replace Bert, who replaces Bob and, you know, moving up the, up the food chain with a plan. Yeah. Exactly. So we start with looking, in an ideal world, you start with looking at what's, what's your current team. How does that sit against your business strategy? So which parts of the business are you focusing on? Is your business going to kind of change and pivot because of what's going on? And where do we see our, ourselves needing to grow and recruit? Then you ideally map out, okay, well, we think that, you know, this particular area of the business is we're going to really push e-commerce as an example right now. We're going to really push that. So that means we need more web developers, all that kind of jazzy side of things. Okay. So who we work out where our talent pools are, who are these people that we're going to want to attract? Because we might not want to attract them right now, but we might want to attract them in the future. That's then when you start thinking about your employer brand. So how do people know who you are and where you are and that you are an employer of choice? Well, that's all about theory, your sales and your marketing. It's, it's how you are perceived as an employer in the market. So we look at that whole world and that's a big old world to look at. There's some really cool, funky stuff to do. But the main thing is being out there, being present, talking, showing your culture, showing people why it's great to work here. Because in the same way as sales, you kind of need to touch somebody six times before you approach them for a job. Yeah. So how do we make it clear that we are the industry experts for what we do so that when we are ready to tap them on the shoulder about the job, Oh, actually, I'm really excited to work. I was going to say they're actually pleased and honoured and excited, aren't yeah. they? Let me just tell you a story in reverse of that, because that was an interesting proposition about what talent you've already got in your, in your business. One of my clients, who I shall remain nameless, had a guy who was a frustrated marketeer. He was a digital marketeer out of interest. He had probably enjoyed what he did and what he was talking about. And he spent two or three years trying to tell the business that they should be investing more in digital marketing and how you could help them. But he had a job. His job wasn't anything to do with digital marketing. It was something else. It was an operational kind of job. And over a period of time, he was getting more and more frustrated about the lack of digital investment by the business. And it was like, you know, we should be doing this and I could help you. I could do this. Listen to me, whatever. And in the end, like you said, he got to, he got to leave because he left on his own because he wasn't working out for him. And he was doing a job that he was... You know, he was apparently more interested in digital marketing than he was in the operational side. He was good as an operational guy, but um, the business wasn't listening. And we lost him as a talent, as an operational guy. We lost the opportunity to work with some of the digital marketer who knew their business inside out from being inside the business for a number of years. He's gone on to set up his own consultancy business in terms of digital marketing. And uh, he's now employing four or five staff and doing it really well. The guy was under their nose and the business yeah. was doing marketing and didn't look at it because he didn't have a people strategy. He went yeah. pegs, holes, square hole, round hole, square peg, whatever. Yeah. And they missed the 
common, isn't it? It's really common, and, and the amount of businesses that I talk to that their immediate response to needing to fill a job is look externally. And yeah. one of the quickest fixes is to put an internal recruitment strategy in place. How are you having, you know, as part of your one-to-ones, and this is where the partnership with HR comes in, because HR will always look after performance reviews, one-to-ones, that side of things. But how easy is it to just include a question when you're doing a one-to-one with an employee or a performance review around their career? What are their aspirations? What are they looking to learn? What's interesting them right now? Would that, you know, and again, I was talking to a company last week around, you know, this particular girl, she's amazing. And I, I don't know, I don't actually know where she's going to be good. Where, where, where will she best fit in the company? Mm. But she fits somewhere she fits. So why don't we do a rotation plan? Why don't we give her some time and a decent amount of time, not a week, you know, a few yeah. months in a few different departments, let her get a really good understanding of how the business works because actually I see her being a leader for the future and by her getting that grounding she's she, you know she, she's going to understand it in, in a lot more detail and be able to come up with some ideas and you know quite like you say quite often it's under your nose and you've just not asked the right question and just because somebody's come for one particular job doesn't mean that that's the job that they're great for yeah. um, and I think by having a partner who's dedicated to to you as a company who spends time on site, who's involved in your meetings, who, you know, has their own cup in the kitchen and, um, you know, gets it, means that when somebody like me is talking to candidates and just asking those questions around, okay, what is it? What, what is it that you want to be? You've applied for this job, but just talk to me about what you're looking for from a career. Yeah. I can be, do you know what? I think actually we're better for this, this particular role. And I'll, be honest, well, I'll be honest with you, talent is talent, isn't it? And it's, it's getting the best out of the talent pool that you have available to you. And that might be a bit of lateral thinking. And given where we are with challenges and pivots and all the other words that go with that, you know, it might be that you're having to redeploy people, but you're better off redeploying them internally than you are getting rid of them yeah. or bringing somebody else fresh in because they happen to have potentially a better qualification. Than Absolutely. Because what they don't know is your business and they don't know your culture and they don't know the way that you want to do with with, um, with your clients. But just going back to kind of the other stuff that you'd cover, you know, you look at you look at the process, obviously, you look at compliance, obviously recruitment is a really risky world. And so there's there's a lot to do there. But then we look at everything from um, how you actually bring people in. So from the point of which you've offered to when they start, quite often that's a really big void. It's, you know, you go quiet, you just ignore them for the next month or however long it is, that's actually the richest time to push information to a candidate. So we look at the whole induction process. We look at what can we educate and inform them during that period of the notice period so that on day one, they're a much bigger step forward than where they would have been if we'd have just gone, oh, hello, nice to see you again after a month. Let's get involved. What do we do with you now, Tate? Oh, we've not got a chair. Oh, damn. Um, So, we, you know, we look at all of that side as well. Okay. A um, couple of final things. Do you reckon you can convince any business owner to the value of using a professional like yourself? Or are there some people who are just never going to be open to the idea of using uh, you know, a professional to support their people, strategy, their recruitment and their integrity? No, some people just know better. Um, some people just 
believe in their heart of hearts that they know how to do it and that's what they're doing um again had a had a conversation with somebody the other week i had a great great conversation all about the strategy all about you know this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to do it it's you know fabulous and then they said right charlie well what we're going to do is um we'll we'll just keep working on the strategy we'll pick up with you once we've got that in place oh here's a job do you want to go fill it alongside a load of other agencies and i just went no not really thanks <laughs> you're all right because i just thought you've a you've not got what what i'm up to yeah. and b there's absolutely zero value i will add to that process if you have already engaged five different agencies and you might have seen my post recently about the, the rods the fishing rods and uh, and the fish and and i do not believe in engaging a number of partners on working on one vacancy so you know you you have you have people like that who just believe that they know better that's fine you have people who see recruitment as a cost. Well, it's not. It's an investment. It's getting it right. It's getting it right first time. The, the bigger cost is when you've got to get those people out of the business. Do they see um, their accountants and lawyers and financial advisors as a cost? That's the question I would ask as a, a rhetorical question, really. But, you know, do they see their uh, traditional um, advisors and professional services providers as a cost. The chances are they don't. I'm investing yeah. in lawyers to protect my business. I'm investing in accountants to help me to manage my uh, my decision-making and my financials. I'm investing in a financial advisor to help me to grow and reduce my kind of mitigation for tax or whatever it might be. Yeah. Why do they, you know, I, I don't answer the question because we've probably already covered it, but it does frustrate me as a business professional. When you look at organisations and go, yeah, but the people side, I'm okay. I can do that myself. You know, unless yeah, I completely back, agree. You can't, you can't possibly get it as right as well as a, a professional could. Simple as yeah. that. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm on exactly the same page. I think, I think with with those professions, you know, I, I'm a very big believer of if you can't do it, get somebody else to do it. Um, mm. I'm constantly convinced, trying to convince my husband that I can't clean, so I need a cleaner. Um, he doesn't buy into that. Um, but. You know, I think I think with recruitment, you know, HR is very different. There's a scary conversation normally when you get involved in HR, so you'd rather not do that. Yeah. Um, but recruitment is seen as being a very nice thing to do. You know, you're offering somebody a job. It's very lovely and jolly and, you know, you're making somebody's world. But, um, you know, and I think because we are all um, chatty, friendly, typically people, uh, it's seen as a really easy job. Um, right. So yeah, why why wouldn't you be able to just do it yourself? But well, that's uh, the thing. Going back to the title, is it recruitment season? There's loads of candidates out there. It's yeah. not about the number of candidates; it's the quality of them candidates fitting into the strategy for your business and being the exact fit. Going back to what you said there, one for the future, not one for tomorrow. One for tomorrow exactly. means you might not be here on Friday, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just I think it's too easy right now to just think I'm going to put plaster on it. And I'm going to fix it right now. And and if it's a temporary job, fine. But if it's somebody that you are investing in, who you see being part of your team in the next few years, then just take a step back and yeah. make sure you do it right first time. Okay, Charlie, that's been fascinating. It's been awesome in terms of looking at a sector that's much maligned. Some valid validity to that, to be fair. But I think it's also, you know, my my view on recruitment is. It's a very strong profession within the people who are strong professionals 
you know, we, we operate there. So I'm passionate about businesses. I'm passionate about people getting it right. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you and talk about strategy and they want to talk about integrating people and strategy and one for the future and, you know, support around uh, induction and, you know, the, the, the overall sort of talent pool, what's the best way to get in touch with you? I think the easiest way would be on LinkedIn. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, just for those listening, the way to spell my name is C-H-A-R-L-Y. And then Melia is M-E-L-I-A. I think I'm one of the few on LinkedIn with that name. So probably easy to find. Um, and my number is 07423105399. Okay, so for those who are watching, I've just put a little slide up there with uh, Charlie's contact details. And for those who are regulars of the uh, Impact Sessions podcast, you will know that it's available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, Podbean and CastBox, which is also available, uh, hosted on the Impact uh, Impactors Group website and also our YouTube channel, so all the details are there. Uh, like, subscribe, give us a nice five-star review. That always helps with the numbers. Anything you can support the Impact Sessions would be great. For now, I'd like to thank Charlie again for her insights and her uh, keeping a language uh, uh, um, listenable, shall we say, <laughs> when discussing some of the, the challenges of working with people who just don't get it. So thank you for your time, Charlie. Thanks for your commitment to the uh, Impact Sessions. And uh, I wish you luck with integrated recruitment. Thank you very much, Nick. Thanks for your time. See you soon. Thanks.